morning, Brother Doug gave a perfect illustration of why there are problems in marriage. And I'm going to tell you why. Every time a little boy gets hurt, his mom does just exactly what Doug showed us that his mom does. And she, well, there's one other thing she does. What does she always do? Just to kiss it and make it better. Kiss it and make it better. And therefore, when a man marries and his wife is upset the least little bit, what does he do? He comes to you to put his arms around you to kiss it and make it better. And what does a wife say? Don't touch me. And he does not understand why everything that his mom did for him to fix everything that was broken in his life doesn't work when he tries it at home. That just goes back to the good job that mothers do for children when we're growing up. You kiss things and make it better and so make the world a better place. And we try to apply that as we get older in our own marriages. I always tell people when uh, I counsel them before they get married, I try to remind uh, men that their wife will always be a little girl. She'll always want to be Cinderella and always want to be treated as such. And I try to remind women that men are always little boys at heart. They will always be little boys. And so they need somebody sometimes to kiss things and make it better. Uh, and so they're, they're little boy buttons uh, in a man's heart. And uh, when you mash one of those little boy buttons, sometimes things work good. Like when you kiss it and make it better and you just make him feel like he's on top of the world. Or when his mom says something to him when he's a little boy that hurt him, that cut him, like you'll never amount to anything when you grow up. And then one day his wife says that to him and he feels the hurt that he felt when he was a little boy. Anything that you say to your husband that makes him feel the hurt that he felt with, as when he was a little boy is going to make him mad going to make him mad. So what I'm telling you that, I'm telling you moms do good things. Moms can also say some things sometimes that just really ought not be said. So keep on doing the good job that you do, but be careful. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And I hope that as being here today as a mom and as a wife, you see the great potential that you have. You see, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses... Uh, uh, 21 and following and really it begins a little before that but I'm just going to read these verses and I want you to listen very carefully and watch what happens here because this is very important Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren that means that she never had had a child and he really wanted, to, wanted her to the Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebecca became pregnant the, the next verses the babies jostled each other within her and she said why is this happening to me there were no sonograms she had no clue of what was going on having this experience and so she went to inquire of the Lord verse 23 the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Now I want us to read those just, just one other time if we could. 
Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. That's where we're going to stop, and that's where we're going to start. These verses tell us several things. Number one, God responds to prayer. God responds to prayer. You know that. Uh, every, every one of us know that. We know that by experience. We've seen how the Lord answered prayer in our lives. Second, the second thing it tells us, and these points are really quick, that God responds to prayer for children. You also know that. Some of you have experienced that. God has blessed you and answered a prayer in that regard. Third, third, pregnancy and childbearing are governed by the laws of God. First, natural laws that God put in place because God intended for babies to be born to a man and a woman. That's the natural order of things. That's been the natural order of things uh, from the very beginning. God set in, set in place uh, an order that would bring harmony and happiness to the home, would bring blessing to the lives of the children born into that home. But next, pregnancy and childbearing are also governed by spiritual laws. Spiritual laws. And in Scripture, we find several occasions in the Bible when a couple had problems having children, and when they did, they turned to God, and God intervened in their behalf. I, in fact, I know of one wonderful story, and you can probably think of it, I know of one wonderful story right here in this church like that. Uh, maybe you know of couples who've seen God intervene in their circumstances and place a child in their arms. And in Scripture, we can see that. We see that in the story of Hannah and Elkanah and the birth of their son Samuel. She named him Samuel because Samuel means asked of God. And she said, because I, asked, I prayed and asked for this child. Uh, Isaac knew the story of his own miraculous birth. You, you know about Isaac, who married Rebekah, and now they're praying for a child. Well, uh, his mom and dad, his dad was close to 100, and his mother was 90 when he was born, and he was born in answer to Abraham's prayers and in keeping with the promise of God. And I want you to look at the promise God gave to Abraham prior to the birth of Isaac. Now, this is about mothers, so look very carefully. Genesis 17 Verse 16, Genesis 17, 16. God's making this promise to Abraham about his wife, Sarah. He said, I will bless her. And I, indeed, I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. So likewise, when it was clear that Isaac and Rebekah were going to have a baby... When they prayed and God let Rebekah get to the point where she was going to have a baby, they sensed a purpose in this pregnancy. Rebekah sensed she might be having some difficulties with all that jostling going on inside her. And so concerned, she turned to God for answers. And my message this morning revolves around that answer that God gave to Rebekah. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, Why is this happening to me? 
So she inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Now, what did he tell her? He told her the same thing that God had said about Sarah. He said, you are going to be the mother of nations. The mother of nations. That's the title of the message today. And so on this Mother's Day, I have a question for those of you who are mothers or who plan to be. Are you, could you be the mother of nations? Of nations. Well, when I read those verses uh, some time ago, it stopped me in my track and my mind began to roll. Two nations are in your womb. And so I got out my calculator and I started thinking about how long it would take one mother to become a mother of nations. Let's think about that for just a minute. So let's say you had, or some mother had two children, just two. And then those children grew up to have two more. Uh, they married and established a home. God blessed their homes with children. And then those two, uh, each of those decided to have more. And then there would be eight. And to that generation, I'm thinking in terms of each generation only have two children. And if that continued in the 19th generation, the 19th generation... With that mom who had two children and each of those had two and on, the 19th generation would have 528,000 children plus, and the next generation, the 20th generation, would, would issue over 1 million children that came from one single mother. If you go nine generations further, it's a billion. Oh, multiplication. Don't you wish you could compound some interest in the bank like that and leave it in the bank that long? And nine generations more, and it's over a trillion. So what I want you to see is that should our Lord tarry, some of you will become the mother of nations. You say, well, that's a long, long time, and that's a lot of generations, and how in the world could I ever see anything close to that? Well, just let me tell you something. Uh, my mom, I had my mom at my house yesterday, my mom... And my wife, she's, she's not part, but you know, understand what I'm saying. One family, my mom had one. My wife and I had three. My three have had eight. And the fifth, the fourth generation is soon to be 17 years old. And if my mom continues to live, there may be five generations of mothers in my family. So you see, that's not a long time. It's about 500 years that it would take for that to happen. So I know that's a little math and I've, I've told you that. Now, I want to ask you, what kind of nations will they be? If the potential is that you could be the mother of nations, what kind of nations will they be? If you read the rest of the story, you'll see that God told Rebecca a little bit about the history of the two nations that were in her womb. But what God does not tell her is that she would have a hand in shaping the character of those nations. A mother's hand and a mother's heart shapes the future. What this, the nations of this world will look like in the future largely depends on what you are doing and how you are living in your home and before your family. So here's the points under mother of nations. Number one, when you shape the heart and life of a child, you are shaping a nation. I want you to think about that because it's true. 20 generations from now, millions of people millions of people will be influenced by the job that you do in your home. The children God has given you are like clay in your hands. 
their lives will always bear uh, the, the imprint of your personality just as sure as clay bears the mark of a seal that's impressed upon it. A man in a home and his relationship with his wife bears the imprint of his mother's influence. Some of you wives already know that. You know that all too well in good ways and in bad ways. So the Bible tells us that every person on the face of the earth is shaped by the decision of one woman in the garden long ago. The decision made by Eve and her husband Adam has left our world in the condition that it's in today. I'm not trying to blame it on her. I'm just trying to give you an illustration about how things happen and how the influence that you have in the life of your family will continue long into the future. You're, the next point, number two, you are a mother of nations. The world will be better or worse depending on the job that you do as a mother. In 1727, Jonathan Edwards, you may know he was a preacher. Uh, he preached that famous sermon. Some of you had to read it in literature called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He married Sarah Pierpoint. Uh, it was out of Edwards Church in Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, that the revival erupted known as the First Great Awakening. Great family. Sarah was 17 when they married. Jonathan Edwards was 24. In August of 1728, their first child was born. And when their family was completed some years later, Sarah had given birth to 11 children. And it was up to Sarah to shape their minds and hearts. Her, because her husband uh, was notorious for studying. He studied up to 13 hours a day, sometimes not even emerging from his study for dinner. And so imagine raising 11 children in those days without a washing machine, without electricity, without refrigerators, without being able to text your friend and say, could you pick up my child at school for me and all those other conveniences available today. And as you can imagine, if you had 11 children back in those days, it wore you out. Jonathan Edwards died when he was 55. His wife died shortly afterwards at the age of 49. Nevertheless, her influence was enormous. 172 years later, a man named A.E. Winship made a study of that family, the family of Jonathan Edwards and Sarah Pierpoint. By that time, in, 17, in 100 and uh, however, 72 years later, by that time, the descendants of that couple was calculated to be over 1,400. Uh, in writing about that family, Winship said, wherever that family has been and whatever they've done, they've done ably and nobly, and much of the capacity and talent, intelligence and character of the more than 1,400 of the Edwards family is due to Mrs. Edwards. Now, I'll remind you of Genesis 17, 16, Abraham's promise to Sarah. He said, I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. 
kings of peoples will come from her. By 1900, when Winship made his study, listen to the descendants that this marriage between Jonathan Edwards and his wife Sarah had produced. Out of that 1,400, there were 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, and the dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, and a dean of a medical school. There were 80 holders of public office, including three U.S. senators, three mayors of large cities, the governors of three states, a vice president, and a controller of the U.S. Treasury. Members of the family had written 135 books, edited 18 journals and periodicals. They entered the ministry in platoons and sent 100 missionaries overseas, as well as stocking many mission boards with lay trustees. At that time, Winship wrote, there is scarcely any great American industry that has not had one of this family among its chief promoters. And it all started when Sarah Edwards gave birth to that first child, and with loving hands and a loving heart, she began to shape the mind and heart of that child. And what does God say the potential of a mother is? When he was speaking of Sarah, Abraham's wife, he said, she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples will come from her. He said the same thing about Rebecca. I know that sometimes young moms in particular, you feel like if you got two or three or four or five or six or like some moms have in our church, seven, they got a nation going already, don't they? Uh, I know that you're so busy, sometimes you don't know what's happening. I can tell you what's happening. Your children are growing up and you don't even know it. They're slipping right through your fingers. I've already been there and done that, not as a mom, but as a dad. They slip right through your fingers. And you're so busy, before you know it, they're gone. And right now, you're just so busy in the stress of life and home and family, there may be days that you put your face in your hands and like Rebecca, say, Lord, what is happening to me? But you know, Rebecca, Rebecca took her to concerns to God. She went to inquire of the Lord. She prayed and said, God, what's going on here? What's happening? What, what, what's going on in my life? How am I supposed to handle this? And he said, look, here's the problem. You got all this jostling going on inside you? And sometimes it's not in here, is it? Sometimes it's just in here. Sometimes the stress of it. And the Lord said, you're cooking nations. You're building nations. That's what you're doing. I got a purpose for you. And what about you? Are you a mother of nations? Without a doubt, without a doubt, every mom has the potential of becoming a mother of nations. And what kind of nations they will be will det be determined by how you shape the heart and mind uh, of children in your home. Nations are not born on battlefields or in political arenas. They find their beginning, according to Scripture, in a mother's womb, and the history of those nations begins to be written before you even lay eyes on that child, and the history of those nations is later fashioned by a mother's hand and mother's heart. And so you're writing the history of our world, and whether those nations are better or worse, godly or ungodly, cruel or compassionate, will be determined by the kind of mother you are today. Think about it. 
If our Lord tarries, some of you will be the mother of nations. But let's not leave here today leaving all the responsibility to mom because there are also dads in homes that are accountable for the upbringing of their children. You too have a hand in shaping their hearts. And so you need to think about, are you the man that you need to be? Are things in your home better or worse because of your example? Is your wife able to be the mom that she needs to be because you're the man that you need to be? And you know what, moms? You're shaping some woman's husband. And you're shaping some child's father. Just like some mom shaped the husband in your home. So is the woman that mothers your children blessed by being married to you? Or is she broken by your words and actions? Let's face it. There's the world that we live in in a quick picture. And it's in a mess. It's not going to get better until things change at home. And that starts with moms and dads who God enables to see the big picture. You say, I have children in my care. It's not about me anymore. I need to invest in them so that they can become the people that God wants them to be. So what kind of changes need to take place in your home that have the potential of impacting the world for the glory of God? That's not just in a mother's heart. That's also in a father's heart. Let's pray.